0: you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hey, Diamond. Hey, Bola. Welcome to the Clever Girls Snow podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today as my special guest.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited as well.
0: Yay. So, Today, you're going to be sharing your expertise with us on how non-traditional income earners can build consistent savings. So if you're listening to this and you're a non-traditional income earner, you have a variable income, you're working part-time, you want to stay tuned. <laughs> Before we dive in, Diamond, I would love for you to tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Of course. Hello to everyone listening in. My name is Diamond Town. I am a budgeting strategist, a financial freedom enthusiast, and the CEO and founder of Diamond Wealth Group, the financial education company. Generally speaking, I'm a finance coach, but I do specialize in money management. I I truly believe that financial wellness and money management are necessities too often overlooked, and I have a, a deep passion for helping others gain confidence and feel empowered by their money. Uh, most financial advice is centered around like making more money and understandably so but i've found that developing the skill set of like managing your money is more important than actually increasing your income so i work with non-traditional earners helping them get a grip on their financial situation helping them to optimize their income and increase their savings to build financial stability through zero-based budgeting
0: and what you said is true, right? A lot of times it's about how you can earn more and earn more, but it's also very important mm-hmm. to learn how to manage what you what you have, right? Regardless of how much it is you're earning. So I'd love for you to define for everyone listening, what is a non-traditional income earner and how would their financial circumstances differ for someone who is, or be different from someone who is working a traditional nine to five job?
1: Yeah, so- like you said, some people they can rely on like traditional jobs with, with the fixed salary, with the benefits, with the structured work arrangements, but not every profession comes with a steady paycheck. Non traditional earners, they're often self employed. I think of like coaches, consultants, freelancers, or those who have like a commission based income, which I would put under that umbrella as well. Those who collect tips in the service industry, so my servers, my bartenders, my beauty professionals, any time of like part-time work with irregular hours, contract-based projects. So think like non-standard work arrangements to earn money. And if you're part of the growing number of like business owners or freelancers or any of those, you know, professions that I mentioned, or if you have a job where your pay depends on your performance, you're bringing in money, but there's like no that dollar amount on your paycheck or predictable income that you can plan around. So with your monthly income being unpredictable, you're you're basically at whim to the to the fluctuations to the variant. And I think that's what sets aside like non-traditional earners from those who earn a traditional income through a nine to five job.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes total sense. Um, and there are many people who listen to this podcast who are non-traditional income earners, who are working on commission basis, sales basis, mm-hmm. service industries. Uh, I'm curious, what made you want to focus on this niche uh, to help non-traditional income earners and their challenging challenges with building savings?
1: Yeah, so my... <laughs> I guess the reason, or what's like the driving force behind working with this particular group, is that a few years back, I would say about twenty fifteen or so, so more than a few years, I experienced like an unexpected income shakeup. So I was working as a server, I was a waitress, making majority of my money off of tips. I say like eighty percent of my income through tips. I worked what seemed like like five thousand hours a week, but Life was good, and it, and it wasn't until I received a promotion within that restaurant that came with a set salary, which was like the the unexpected income shakeup. That it hit me that I was living way beyond my way above my means, and I was spending money in a way that wasn't sustainable, and it just wasn't going to it wasn't going to cut it long term. You know, when you're dealing with inconsistent income. When you're earning money non-traditionally, it's easy to assume that like common budgeting or saving advice that it won't work for you. It's yes. easy to assume that that building consistent savings won't work for your particular situation. It's really easy to just like identify yourself as this golden unicorn. And like my, my situation is so particular, it's so specific, no one else is dealing with these problems. But when you're dealing with less predictability with your income, it's even more of a reason to keep a pulse on your finances. I used to think to myself, you know, like maybe if I had a steady salary with a regular paycheck in my account every two weeks, then I would be in a better position to save more consistently. You know, then money management would make a little more sense for me. And I know I'm not the only one. It's actually one of the top reasons that people convey to me as to why like, they can't budget you know, because they make money non-traditionally. So I was working as a waitress for years and it wasn't until I received that promotion that kind of, it came with a a higher income, one, and two, it came with the set salary. And that's when I realized that like the amount of money I was making wasn't the issue, the inconsistency of my income or like the unpredictability, the variance of my income wasn't the issue that those reasons that i initially attributed to my lack of financial progress it wasn't what was keeping me bogged down it was this belief that non-traditional earners couldn't get a grip on their finances like my limiting beliefs around budgeting they yeah. didn't leave any room for me to be to have like that money management a part of my operation like i said majority of my income was tip based so some days i leave with 60 bucks and some days i leave with like 200 bucks and i was I was making good money overall, but I, I genuinely felt like, because I couldn't depend on a specific dollar amount to hit my bank account every two weeks, that it was impossible for me to forecast my income and stick to a budget. I like my income isn't structured, so how can I fit it into a structured system? Mm-hmm. And I think this is exactly where non-traditional earners make a critical mistake. You have these limiting beliefs surrounding your situation and You think that the only option is to like start guessing how much money might come in and quote unquote budgeting with like pretend numbers, but there's not a lot of control with that. I tried that approach and it didn't turn out too well. And I know it's certainly more challenging to manage money when your income isn't consistent when you are a non-traditional earner, but that's also an important reason to stay far away from like hypothetical situations and those pretend numbers. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I tried it that way. I was missing out on a lot of clarity. I was missing out on the power of like prioritizing, you know, my journey, it was it was full of hiccups and and roadblocks and what have you. But it's it's what inspired me to like throw the rope down for other non-traditional earners to get a grip and share what has actually worked for me. Because I drilled down on a money management system that wasn't based on my circumstances. Mm -hmm.
0: And I love that you share that personal story because you know, as you were talking, I'm like, this definitely you have to go through very many mindset adjustments. And I think that's quite mm-hmm. common where a lot of people feel like because they don't fit into a quote unquote standard when it comes to financial management, it is not possible. Oh, I don't earn enough, so I can't invest. Oh, I'm a non-traditional person. Yeah. Or I have kids, so talking mm-hmm. about budgeting, I don't have time for it. There's like so many, I think as human beings, we find ways to make excuses, but um, uh, we don't all fit into standards or we don't all fit into like, you know, the, the medians. <laughs> when you look at statistics, right. they're always outliers and outliers still make it work. It's about adjusting your mindset to rid yourself of those limiting beliefs of what you think that's all you can do of what you think this is just what I can do and exploring how can I change things maybe not do it according to that standard out in the world but find a way
1: to
0: find a way to make it works for you exactly so my next question for you given you know you focus on this niche you've had this personal experience how can freelancers, gig workers, business owners create a budget that accommodates their variable income streams and still save money?
1: It's a great question. I me mean, just thinking back, like the number one thing that I had to, to learn to latch on to was that forecasting, like the forecasting approach, it wasn't going to work in my situation. There were there were a couple hiccups with that. You know, you 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 try to base your budgeting plan on this overly optimistic dollar amount. And when it doesn't work, you tend to give up altogether. It's kind of like trying to fit a they have these at the doctor's office all the time for little kids. Like when you're trying to fit the square block inside of the circle hole and it just doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. It's like super frustrating. So the situation tends to get super frustrating and you give up. Or, you know, you try to cover all of your bills, all your expenses with this future money that you don't technically have yet. And that speculation is just a slippery slope. Because, you know, with non-traditional earners, you can't really predict how much money you're going to be bringing in in any given month. And, you know, you start to guess how much money might be coming in. And it you just you just miss out on, on a lot. So I think to answer your question, something that was a game changer for me was leaning in to a zero-based budget. And when I say zero-based budgeting, it's literally all about allocation. So assigning the dollars that you have in your bank account, like right now, to the job that you would like for them to perform. And it's a big shift from traditional budding budgeting. It's a big shift from you know the standard way of thinking when it comes to money management. It'll actually change the way that you think and perceive money management. But designing a zero-based budget to guide your spending is what's going to accommodate your non-traditional income, your variable income streams while still allowing for you know the consistent savings while still allowing for financial progression.
0: Mm. So we recently did a podcast episode on zero-based budgeting. If you're interested in listening to that, you guys can look back one or two episodes from this episode. And like you mentioned, we talked about just giving every dollar that you earn a job to do for you, giving it an assignment. But in terms of from your personal experience working working with your clients, working from working on your own personal finances, as you were creating your your budget, your zero-based budget, how did you plan to save? Obviously, your income is inconsistent, but what was your approach to being able to put aside savings each time you got paid based on your zero-based budget?
1: Mm-hmm. So when it came to like to my specific situation, like money management, it was it was tough for me at first, and the difficulty is up a few notches when you're you know when you're earning money non-traditionally. But I think you you just have to make a very clear plan for the dollars that you do have. Mm-hmm.
0: So like if I only had
1: two hundred dollars, it is absolutely critical that I was managing that two hundred dollars really well. So I always had to ask myself, like, what does this two hundred dollars need to do before before I have another, you know, load of cash coming in? And and just thinking about it from a holistic standpoint, like every time I spend a dollar, I'm making a choice and there's so much power in that. So I really had to to decide every day to stand in that power.
0: yeah that makes that makes sense right you look at what you have you figure out w- what you can allocate to your savings and then you plan you plan your overall finances according according to what you're earning for that period. And you mentioned earlier that the forecasting was a challenge. And I think for someone who maybe was used to earning a consistent income, and then they shifted into being a non-traditional income earner, it might be hard to wrap your head around not being able to forecast because you don't know what you're going to earn. Mm-hmm. But like you mentioned, if you focus on what it is that you do earn now, you know, $200, for example, you got $200 as paycheck. It's okay. How much can I put aside towards future expenses, knowing that my income is variable or inconsistent? How much right. can I save? And how much can I put towards covering my bills now? Right. So and then I think over time, what happens is that as you start putting money aside for for that, for that, for those other expenses, given the inconsistency, you start to build a buffer where if you earn less, you have that buffer account to cover. Right. um, Cover the 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 gap you have. And if you, for whatever reason, you're earning more one week, you can put more money into that buffer account. And so uh, that leads me to the next question I wanted to ask you about creating that type of buffer account, that kind of emergency account when your income fluctuates month to month. How did you do it? Were you always saving? Did you say, okay, I'm going to save at least $20. I'm going to say at least 20%. What was your approach Mm -hmm. to creating emergency savings for yourself so that you could cover those months where you didn't earn as much?
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because I think my perspective, it varies um, from a lot of like traditional savings advice that you find floating around. Because when I first started off, I was latching on to, you know, trying to save 10% or 15% of whatever, you know, my income was, whatever dollar amount that I was bringing in. And it worked for a short while or in some instances. But on the the weeks or the months where I wasn't bringing in as much income as I would have liked, I, find my, I found myself like dipping back into my savings or pulling money from my savings account back to my checking account or not sending money to my savings account at all just because, you know, my numbers were so low. So if this is true for you, something that has really like Flipped my 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 consistent savings on its head is understanding that saving money should it should be simple, but it should also be strategic. So I always encourage others to get specific with their savings. So getting very clear on what your savings goal savings goals are, like based on your long term plan, your short term goals, based on what you deem a priority, it is crucial. And then you know once you decide, okay, I my savings goal is to build an emergency fund. Um, adding layers of specificity. Think like your savings—they it, it, should be specific, they should be strategic, and they should have layers upon layers of specificity. Like, why do I need an emergency fund? Asking yourself the question of like, how much needs to be in my emergency fund? When would I like to have this goal crossed off of my list? All of these questions are adding layers of specificity to your savings, and those layers of specificity is what's going to allow you to like stick to. The goal, even when you, even when, you know, your, your money may not be as, even when you're not bringing in as much money as you would like to, I think oh. it attaches some emotion to the goal. It, 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 like allows you to like clearly see the finish line, which was something that I was missing when I was just setting aside that 10% or that 15%. I just felt like I was like on this hamster wheel of savings so nothing was really stopping me from simply transferring the money back over or you know taking a pause yeah. for a couple months and i wasn't really getting any closer to any of my savings goals whatsoever and on you know the months to where i wasn't bringing in a lot of money what was true for me that you know 10% of not much was not much so i just wasn't getting any closer to my desired savings goals so i had to go back to the drawing board and kind of restructure some things and add those layers of specificity
0: Mm-hmm. And that sounds like just really getting clear on your why. Why do you want this? And specifically, what is it that you want? Right? I want mm-hmm. to, I want this because I want to create, I want to have me- a peace of mind. I want to improve my mental health. I want to.
1: Yeah. Like, what will it do for you children. on the back end? Absolutely. And a lot of times when you think savings, you're like, you know, everyone tells you to save. You see everything floating around on Instagram telling you to save. But like, what is true for you? Why do you want to save money? Like what are the benefits going to be on the back end for you?
0: Exactly. And then you know what is it? You're trying to build a legacy. So this year I want to save, I don't know, $5,000, $10,000. You know, you're tying your the why to the to the what. And I think when you have that type of specific approach even when you earn $100 that week, you're like, okay, I remember my why, I remember my what, I'm going to put aside $1. And then when mm-hmm. you earn a $1,000, you are like, okay, you know what? Yeah, we're on a roll, I'm going to put aside 100 But because you've been specific, because you're clear on your why, because you're clear on your what, you now have that intention behind being able to build consistency with your savings, even though your income is, is fluctuating. I wanted to also t- talk through about well, just going back to the question, so I guess practical tips for saving, right? So would you say in terms of order for a non-traditional earner, so let's say you get your paycheck this this month, how mm-hmm. would you prioritize for some, how would you tell someone uh, to prioritize their finances in terms of, okay, bill paying, saving, paying off debt, saving for emergencies, what would the order that you would put this in be for someone right. listening to be able to make sense of it?
1: Yeah. So I am a huge believer, like a firm believer in paying yourself first, uh, that you should get first dibs. I give myself first dibs of, you know, my hard earned money. This comes like before paying my landlord, before paying, you know, any type of bills, before putting my gas in the car, before going grocery shopping. For so long, I kind of gave myself whatever was left over. And on some months, there may have been a big chunk of change left over, and that was great. In some months, there may have been like a smaller, you know, mm-hmm. pile of money left over, and that may have been not so great. But I, I decided to kind of flip the funnel and starting to pay my pay myself first with regards to like saving, with regards to investing, with regards to anything that was kind of connected to building financial stability. So like saving, investing, paying down debt, those started to get first steps. So as soon as I get money that hits my account, the first thing that I do is allocate funds towards whatever goal it is that I'm working towards. And I've already drilled down a very like specific number because I've added those layers of specificity. So we can take in an emergency fund, for example, mm-hmm. if I've set in a goal to build, you know, two month emergency fund by the end of the year, you know, I've set a clear timeline or finish line for, you know, January 1st of 2024 and I know I need $2,000 in my emergency fund and I'm taking that number and then I'm like dividing it by the number of weeks or, you know, every other week, whatever cadence that you would like to, to latch on to until I reach that finish line. So I've drilled down to a very specific dollar amount and let's say, you know, I'm no mathematician, but let's say for conversation's <laughs> sake, the dollar amount is like 140 bucks every two weeks. So if that is the number that I've latched on That is the number that I've committed to, regardless of how much money I have coming in on any given month, I make sure to set aside that $140 every two weeks to ensure that I reach my goal. I am like committed to paying myself first. And then with whatever's left over, I can go ahead and handle, you know, my needed expenses, my discretionary spending. And if for whatever reason I find that you know the money left over isn't enough to cover my bills, then I have some choices to make. I can either lower my expenses or I can find ways to bring in additional forms of income. But my my goals, financial progression, building financial stability, I've decided that they're no longer gonna take a backseat to everything else that's rolling around. Um, that is the way that I approach my savings, and that's the way that you know I encourage. Those that I work with to just latch on to a very drilled-in dollar amount and use that to guide your decisions, and really pay yourself first. Like really put yourself first when it comes to your finances.
0: I I love that. Thank you for that breakdown because I think some people will be wondering, you know, well, what exactly would she do, right? And that's perfect that you broke it down that way. That is Um,
1: exactly what I do every time. In some (laughs) months, I'm. just being honest. Like when my goals are, are big and and glorious and the income is, you know, looking really bleak. There have been moments where I'm just like, is this going to work? Is this is this the best course of action? Like, should I maybe course correct? Should I maybe like, you know, hold off for one month until my income picks up? And what has been true for me, what's been true for all of my clients is that there has never been a month where I didn't show up for myself. There's never been a month to where I set the savings aside first. I prioritize my financial stability first. And, you know, I went without food or, you know, I was almost evicted or, you know, any of those outlandish scenarios that you kind of think up to excuse yourself from actually leaning in. None of those ever happen. It's like I've never not shown up for myself. I've never been put into a situation to where I'm like, okay, that was a bad idea. Let me not do that again. And it's, it's been working. It's been working for me. And once I realized that it was working for me on a consistent basis, I tried it with a couple other like friends, family members, and it was working for them. I'm like, okay, this, this is a strategy that can be implemented like across the board and more specifically with those who make money non-traditionally because we have so many barriers, so many limiting beliefs that we've convinced ourselves of as to why we can't get a grip on our finances. And, you know, just, knocking yeah. those down one by one has been such a glorious and like beautiful um opportunity
0: that I've stepped into. So I love that. I love that. Okay. So <laughs> I have more questions for you. Let's talk about financial education, right? Because you mentioned earlier about the mindset shift. You had made this personal mindset sh- mindset shift to eliminate those limiting beliefs that you were telling yourself that, you know, I cannot say because I don't have a consistent income. I don't know how much I'm going to get. And you have mm-hmm. to readjust the way you were thinking. That's what you currently teach your clients. But financial education obviously ties into your mindset. I would love for you to break down how financial education plays a role, whether it was yeah. in your experience or with the clients that you help today. How has financial education helped non-traditional income earners understand how saving and planning their finances can impact their, their financial futures? Because that, again, like I mentioned, it I believe it ties into being able to adjust your mindset when you know about finances, but I'd love to hear from your real world experience.
1: Yeah, just like you said, it it gives you that opportunity that, that it positions you to adjust your mindset. Exactly what you said. It gives you a different lens to kind of, see your situation through financial education is what is what's equipped me along with you know all of my other clients who were not traditional earners with the knowledge to make the sound financial decisions throughout their financial journeys and that knowledge is what that knowledge is what's going to to curtail the emotions the voice in your head like feeding you the limiting beliefs you know the voice in your head telling you that it's that is impossible, that's feeding the fear that's associated with your decisions, Mm -hmm. that knowledge is what's going to kind of offset that. So when you begin to to lean into financial education and begin to educate yourself, what you're doing is empowering yourself to adapt to changing circumstances. You're like empowering yourself to to maintain financial stability and to continue to be committed to working towards achieving your goals because you're building upon that knowledge. I think in, in any scope, When you become more knowledgeable of something, you just have more confidence. When you become more knowledgeable of something, you have just a a clear perspective of what could go right, what could go wrong, what has worked for other people, what has not worked for other people. And you just have this opportunity to really borrow the belief of. Whatever you know, the, the 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 piece of financial education or the knowledge is is putting in front of you. Uh, it really gives you a different lens to see, to see exactly what's in in front of you to really view your situation through.
0: I agree with you. You know, financial education is more than you just reading how to save, how to budget. It's you really empowering yourself with knowledge, mm-hmm. and then empowering yourself with different perspectives, empowering yourself with motivation and inspiration, empowering yourself to do better. You know, the education is education, the how to budget, how to save, how to invest, those specific theories, ideas are what they are. But it's financial education for yourself is so much more because when you for example we're talking about inconsistent incomes or non-traditional earners in this podcast if you happen to be one of those people but you have this education to to support you to back you up it allows you to make specific decisions that align with your situation and it also allows you to think objectively which in turn mm-hmm. counters the limiting money money belief for example you know that it is possible to save no matter how much you're saving, as long as you commit to doing it consistently over time, you know that it is possible to pay down debt, even if you can't afford to pay down a ton of debt every single month, because you're doing this consistently. And the reason mm-hmm. why you know this is because you've empowered yourself with financial education, and you've also seen and learned from the experiences from other people. Other people, the yeah. Information you've empowered yourself with. So, financial education is so much more than just reading or listening to how to save, how to budget. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've been in the position where I've earned inconsistent incomes, starting when I started this business (laughs) and quit my job. I didn't know my income was going to be. I talk about it very often on the podcast. My first... First year in business, we I made two hundred dollars, but I had savings right to kind of help power me through. But I didn't know would I have to go find another job? Am I going to need to get a part time job? Is this sustainable? And I had to figure out how to I had to figure out how to plan my finances on an on an inconsistent income. So, I think whether or not you even if you're working a full time job now, you never know, right? What you never know, yeah. yeah.
1: And it's funny so, that you say that because. <laughs> Even, you know, I got the promotion in the restaurant industry and I had a set salary and some time had passed. And I even picked up another like traditional form of income. But I was I was well on my way to building financial stability. So like you said, I had savings and such set aside and I was laid off from that job. (laughs) Out of nowhere, like totally unexpected, I was laid off from my traditional like nine to five position. And at that same time, I was kind of building this business like on the on the back end, like on the very lowest of keys. So at that moment, of course, I had stability of savings to, to, to support me. So I didn't like panic by any means because I had the savings set aside to foot me to cover my expenses and such. But I also had the knowledge and the experience from working, you know, that transition from a server to the manager of the restaurant that provided me with that foundation of money management and like latching onto that zero-based budget. So when it came time, not came time, but when I was let go from my full-time employment, my traditional job, I was in a position to kind of jump all in with this coaching business, with this financial education company. And I had the the tools, the resources, the knowledge to optimize that income that I was now bringing in, we're back on a non-traditional basis, and actually have that grip that I so desperately desired, you know, years ago. So it was, it was a beautiful, like full circle moment for sure.
0: I love that. I love that. (laughs) Okay. So more questions. (laughs) So right now, you know, we're hearing all kinds of talk about the economy. There's always something going on with the economy in the world. What advice do you have for non-traditional income earners to protect themselves financially, during times of economic downturn or even specific challenges in their own industries that could cause them to lose income
1: yeah i think like if you are listening if you take anything away from this conversation just write this this one thing down um, when you build your savings what you're what you're doing essentially is turning any emergency into like an inconvenience so when it comes to like protecting yourself financially with, you know, industry specific challenges or economic shifts. You have to understand that like your saving, setting your savings goals. As like a nice to have is no longer going to cut it. You have to begin to set your savings goals. You have to begin to to view your financial stability as like a non-negotiable rather than that nice to have. I know that there's a really big myth that you can only save what you have left over at the end of the month, a myth that I myself have like dispelled along with, you know, everyone else that I've I've worked with along the years. Um, But making saving a priority is key. Paying yourself is key. And when you set your savings goals as non-negotiable, rather than like nice to have goals. Like, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I'll be okay. It won't be okay. You have to have this mindset. It's like, this is a non-negotiable yeah. for me. Uh, I think that, that'll, that'll definitely flip the script for you and kind of provide some support when it comes to, you know, the things that we really can expect.
0: And I just want to reiterate the statement that you made when you first started answering the question, because you said that when you have savings, an emergency is merely an inconvenience. An
1: inconvenience, yeah. And when you think about it, like when you're faced with an emergency, you have all of these emotions and and the anxiety and, and you know, it, it just feels really heavy. But yes. when you're dealing with you like a minor inconvenience, it's, you know, there's a little more energy, like there's a lighter energy there. And I, I would That's like true. that for everyone. Yeah, the stress is eliminated the the, you know you have eliminated the because you know you've prepared you have peace the preparation is what's going to bring the peace
0: <laughs> absolutely yes yes okay so what advice would you give someone who is currently working full time 9 to 5 and they are shifting into becoming a non-traditional income earner so maybe they are starting their own business or maybe they have to take a step back from work cuz they need to take care of kids or take care of uh a loved one that needs the support and they're just going to be doing either service work, starting a business, getting an inconsistent income. What advice do you have for someone who is making that transition? What would be the first tips you would give them to just help them be able to successfully navigate into being a non-traditional income earner who is able to save money and pay off debt and still live a good life, even though their income is inconsistent? Yeah, you know,
1: transitions, they can be, they can be tough. And especially when you're like folding in, you know, navigating the, the financial world. Um, so if you're someone who is transitioning from a traditional nine to five job to maybe picking up a side hustle or you want to go, you know, like full time entrepreneur, any type of non-traditional income source. When it comes to like building financial stability, building consistent savings, my advice would be to to find freedom in both present spending and your your future spending. Uh, Like understanding that the freedom can be twofold. I know oftentimes when we're in that transitioning period, you tend to like buckle down on, you know, I don't need to spend, I need to be very, very clear and direct on where my money is going. And you kind of have this like drill sergeant approach to your life, but that only can take you so far and something that I stress to all of my clients is that, like, your freedom can be twofold. I know that, you know, it, it's necessary to spend money on things that that make us happy. But overspending is also a thing. You know, overindulging is a thing. Yes. And that's why making a budget is so essential, especially in those transitional periods. When you when you map out your financial priorities and begin to allocate money within your budget, you have something to check yourself on. Like a budget gives you the chance to to treat yourself both now with your present spending and also in the future, you know, with building, you know, serving your future self. So before giving in to your impulses, before like letting your emotions kind of call the shots, my my advice would be to take a step back and kind of get curious when it comes to your spending decisions. Know that the freedom can be twofold. You don't have to choose. It's not like a matter of, you know, I need to save, 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 invest, 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 or, you know, I just need to go crazy with it. Like you don't have to choose. You can do both, but ask yourself, is this pulling me further away from my goals? Is this pulling me further away from the things that truly matter and kind of make a list of what you hope to accomplish in the long term. be, you know, be it over the course of the year or the next three to five years and kind of refer to that list whenever a potentially alarming, like, impulse spending arise and kind of latch on to the latch on to the twofold freedom of like, I can serve my future self and be happy and have, find joy in my spending, but I can also build financial security on the back end. I think when you're in that transitional period, you tend to to lean onto one side or the other. Like when you're transitioning into a non-traditional income and it's going really good, you tend to, you know, have that, that FOMO or that fear of missing out. And, you know, you have the internet in the palm of your hand and it's, you know, you want to experience the, the life that everyone else is posting about and, you know, all of the things. And when you're transitioning into a non-traditional income and things aren't so steady or have a slower pace when it comes to picking up, you tend to kind of gravitate to that other side where you're like, okay, I really need to, to lay off of spending. I just need to stay focused. I just need to save, save, save. I need to invest, invest, invest. I need to, you know, have these really tight constraints. And I think with both sides of those spectrums, they're just like a really slippery slope. So try to find that balance, that that beautiful dance between the two and just understand that the freedom can be twofold if you allow it to be.
0: I love that advice. Thank you very much for sharing. This has been so great. I appreciate you sharing your insights with us and just empowering and motivating folks listening on how you can be successful as a non-traditional income earner, how you can save, how you can still plan your finances. Um, but before I let you go, I ask everybody this question. You have to tell me, what is your Clever Girl superpower?
1: Ooh, my Clever Girl <laughs> superpower. Wow. So when I think of superpowers, I think of things that like are pretty like standard or normal to you but you could also kind of share with other people to kind of help them navigate I guess in a better sense so I think that mine would be like taking action and in doing without delay I think when I commit to something it's just like a, a plan a or plan a type mentality and that commitment that discipline that confidence has allowed me to really like Go after my goals um, and kind of you know shoot for the stars in that regard. Yeah, doing without delay. I decide, I make a decision, and then like the it's it's decided, you know. Um, (laughs) But I think that's worked for me so well over the past like couple years, especially with building this business, because there there's so many like fears and doubts and limiting beliefs that I could associate you know with literally everything, but you know, find something that's true for you, make the decision and do without delay. That would be my, that would be my Clever Girl superpower.
0: That is awesome. And then finally, please tell everyone how they can keep in touch with you and they can find you and what you have going yeah, on. Yeah,
1: for sure. You can find me over on Instagram at Money Coach Diamond. And let's see. Yeah, that's pretty much where I am all of the time on a consistent basis. So feel free to, send me a DM over on Instagram at Money Coach Diamond. And I'm currently also enrolling clients into my signature coaching program, Blaze. So Blaze is a 12-week signature program designed to help those who earn income non-traditionally manage their money with confidence. We work together one-on-one to optimize your income, to build your savings consistently and gain financial stability with zero-based budgeting. Uh, but if you head to my Instagram, And click the link in my bio. It'll take you to that application page. Super simple process. Answer a few questions. And then you will book a call with me so we can, you know, chat about the application, answer any questions you may have about the program, and decide if working together should be your next best step.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I appreciate you for being here, Diamond.
1: Thank you, Moa. This is a wonderful time. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.